three, two, one. Great. That's probably close. <sighs> it's probably really, really close. Really close. I forgot. I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. And we love to watch. We love to watch Dennis Hopper do 9-11. We're psyched, guys. Yeah, the tone is a little different this week. Can you guys tell? Yeah. Uh, well, no, because I think most people uh, skipped the first hour of our last episode at, at our suggestion. <laughs> uh, because people were like, you know what? I've been waiting 32 weeks for you guys to do Fool's Rush In. I don't have time to to hear you guys talk about uh, the election. Yeah, those Fool's fans, they're, uh, they're patient, but they're out there. <laughs> I mean, the one thing they're known for is rushing. <laughs> Um, <laughs> for being fools and, and uh, rushing into things. Yeah, yeah. But strangely enough, they waited for our episode, and uh, yeah, they did not want to sit through any election malarkey. No. And uh, I imagine a lot of we actually got notes from a few people that they skipped through the election part, which is why I put in the little warning that you're welcome to skip it. And I only listened to the election part uh, so that I could just cry. And listen to my own voice sound yeah. sad. I said so. you're welcome to skip it. Like you're not welcome to skip the whole podcast. No, guys. Yeah. We got counts. We got counts. We got to keep up or our sponsors are going to leave us. Uh, our sponsors being uh, my wife and, and his girlfriend, respectively. Um, they look at those play counts and are like, I didn't marry a hundred count a week podcaster. <laughs> Um, so, so we're doing Super Mario Brothers, uh, our third week of 90s, our order so off, I think this is our third week, it's, it's November 90s nostalgia, which is now going into the first week in December, uh, thanks Trump, um, <laughs> it, is- it doesn't have the same ring as, uh, thanks Obama, uh, we were supposed to be joined by Elizabeth Lundberg, unfortunately she's not feeling well. Uh, she we already rescheduled her for an episode in January, so we're really excited to have her on. But we hope she gets better. Um, I will say this is our second guest who got sick right before the podcast, and I just gotta say this: if you are a future guest of our podcast, get your flu shots. Like, <laughs> take some vitamin C, uh, get some airborne because, guys, I think that we might be accidentally making people sick. <laughs> Yeah, I think what's happening is that they're – now, we didn't, like, check to see if these people had temperatures or anything like that. But I think what's happening is that they are picturing themselves talking to us and then spontaneously throwing up and then are like, I must be coming down with something because I can't think of any other explanation. The other explanation is they finally listened to uh, – Sam and, and Elizabeth, respectively, finally listened to an episode and they're like – Oh boy! Oof. I don't <laughs> know if they loved. I don't know if they love to watch. <laughs> um, They're like, huh? I don't know if I really want to climb into this dumpster fire. Yeah, they only listen to our Mother's Day episode. And like, <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> but they both rescheduled, so um, I assume you know. Again, guys, January comes around, February comes around. Get those flu shots. Uh, I would actually recommend. Uh, and, you know, this depends on your budget, but I would drink a bottle of Dayquil for the entire week leading up to your appearance on our show. Marcus, Joseph, future guests, 
take as many antibiotics as you have available. Mix and match. Mix and match. Get all make like a nice rainbow of colors. Yeah. Um just yeah. make sure that no matter what you do, your body is ready for the two and a half hours that we're gonna take from you <laughs> that you will never get back. If if you have a bag of blood uh that you can transfuse into yourself, like Peter Thiel, do it. <laughs> Especially that's you, well, I, I want to be clear. Blood. If you have yeah, old that's, people blood, just throw it in the garbage. I don't know. Throw what you're that. Doing yeah, that. throw that in the garbage. Kids' blood. I mean, it's hard to get. I would only get use legitimate means. But the younger the blood, uh, the better. And this, I should just say, this goes for whether you're going to be a guest on our show or not. This is just good uh, body maintenance, health maintenance for yourself. You know, we want you to live a long life, so you get those play counts up. Mm-hmm. Get those play counts up. And if you aren't going to be listening to us after this episode. I don't really care what happens to you. Yeah. Um, you know, drink something that's bad for you. Why why did I blank on that? <laughs> drink drink melted fudge. There we go. Yeah, there we go. I literally couldn't think of something. Like I am I am drinking alcohol right now and I couldn't think of something <laughs> with diet coke and I couldn't think of something that might be bad to drink. You're like definitely not uh my my cancer juice or my other cancer yeah. juice. <laughs> Well, all I could think was bleach, and I'm like, don't say bleach, don't say bleach, don't say don't bleach. bleach. Uh, milk? Is, isn't <laughs> Scientists it? go back and forth on milk, guys. <laughs> internet, uh. internet trolls have taken so many things from us, and one of which is uh, one of which is making any reference to uh, suicide in that manner. Yeah, that's probably good, but it's kind of strange how casually people used to joke about people killing themselves. I actually think that's something. I'm glad internet trolls made everyone more sensitive to. Oh, for hey, sure. Maybe don't don't say that, but. It is something that I feel like still needs to be trained out of me sometimes. <laughs> yeah, my now all my suicide jokes have transplanted into me suffering um, cartoon deaths. Like, I hope an anvil falls on my head or I hope I'm mauled by a bear or something similar. Like, it has to be so ridiculous that and not suicide <laughs> that yeah. people uh, can't take seriously. Although I don't think the bear one is ridiculous for you because, as listeners know, uh, you live in bear country. I do live in bear country. and <laughs> Downtown uh, Chicago. My, my, my religion is to antagonize bears. Um, it's it's not something that I do, you know, out of spite for the bears. I have a lot of respect for them and their man-mauling ways. Uh, it, it's merely because God has commanded me to um, tell the bears how stupid they look and that they look fat, and that um, when they try to use their stupid paws as hands, they make... Don't shake them. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you guys have services? <laughs> um, I'm, just no. trying to, I'm just trying to figure out what that looks like in the structure of most religions I know. I go to an old closed-down uh, Showtime pizza place, and okay. I talk to a, a Showtime pizza bear. And uh, he uh, is he plugged in? They say the power hasn't been routed to that location for about 20, 30 years. But but that's what you're praying for. But the bear still talks to me because God can work in mysterious ways. Let me ask you a question. You're you're God. Giant bear. Yeah. I mean, it's a Showtime pizza bear. Well, it's it's technically it's a different brand of bear. Wait, that's your God? Yeah, there's a grizzly bear. And then there's... I, uh, I don't know bears. what Showtime Pizza is, but I am confused because moments ago, this was just, you talked to this bear at your church service. I didn't know that that was your god. So that bear wants you to be a dick to other bears. Yes, the showbiz pizza bear um, wants me to put other bears through a sort of ordeal. 
Okay. Um, so People are going to be like, worthy. this This is worse than the election. <laughs> yeah. So they. So a, a show, the showbiz pizza bear is the highest plane of bear you can become, which is a pizza bear. Um, but uh, regular bears, they're stuck, you know, eating berries. I would imagine honey. Um, I see them eating fish sometimes when I yell at them. Those you bears think, need to Do you ascend. think berries were named because they saw bears eating them? And then they're like, that's a berry. Yes, yes, that's that's exactly just lazy, it. lazy namers. <laughs> yes, um, I'm surprised they didn't call grass a cowie. A cowie, that's true. Or um, that was the contempt in your voice a after that joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, yes, and yes, and but you can I'm still have contempt. I'm surprised they didn't rename Jack's Pizza dumbass food after your years of eating it. <laughs> I could drag that silence on as much as I hoped. <laughs> I can't be mean. For, I can't even be mean as a joke. That's called like a mean. That's called a dick stalemate. <laughs> Who's gonna speak first? <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! Uh, boy. As oh, boy. Don't whatever you do, don't Google dick stalemate. Dick stalemate. <laughs> Oh, oh, that's a real guys, sport right there. We like to laugh. It's good to fe- it's good to feel joy again. Oh, we should we should tell people this is right after we found out that the meteor is heading towards Earth and that we're all going to be obliterated. So we finally have felt joy again since the election. Yep. So we're going to be talking about Deep Impact. <laughs> also, don't oh, Google shit. That. I watched Armageddon. <laughs> oh, same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Be a good idea for a show where we we each of us watch the other one, but talk about it like we watch the same movie. Yeah, that'd be great. Or uh, uh, volcano versus Dante's Peak, White House Down versus uh, Olympus Has Fallen, uh, Fools Rush In versus uh, Morons Rush In, United ninety three versus Fahrenheit nine eleven. Uh, a bridge too far versus uh, how, just how many bridges are there? <laughs> bridge right next to you. The bridge right next to you. <laughs> um, seriously, take that title, guys. That's a great one. This is a material. This is all. This is all solid gold. <laughs> solid gold. <laughs> Things have changed. This is one of our loopier episodes, I think. Right off. Yeah, the bat. I, th- I think they're all going to be like this. Yeah. <laughs> going forward, FYI, everyone. Our listener counts will drop, and then my girlfriend will pull out the big stick. Do you, you guys use sticks in your lovemaking? <laughs> it's not really lovemaking. I mean, she does love making me cry. Oh, well, it's good because you've had a problem crying in the past. So that makes sense why you guys are a couple. She brings out a side of you that you can't achieve on your own. This is really bad. The No, no, the amount of pauses. Like, we were, were not at our sharpest. You know, you know when we were really quick is when we were drunk. So... Yeah. Everyone give us 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to need to shotgun myself into funny. So, Aaron, did you want to play any games tonight? Yeah. Uh, you know, well, yeah, we can do that. Uh, we haven't done a game in a while. Do you have any ideas? Yeah, I got one. Um, yeah, p- totally put something together. Uh, we can play right now. Uh, so, it's, it's about Super Mario Brothers World. Uh, Super Mario Brothers. Brothers. <laughs> That's even, nope, nope, Super Mario Brothers. Anyway, so I'm going to do a quiz. Um, I'm going to ask you some questions about the video game series uh, Super Mario Brothers, and uh, you have to answer them. 
That and if you get it right, you get a point. And if you have the most points, at the end, you win. Um, can you explain the rules just one quick time for me? Okay, so there's points, right? They're just they're out there in the ether. And if you grab enough of them, based on me saying, go ahead, get the point, you've earned it, then you get to go, I win the game. Can I go, yeah? I mean, you can make whatever noises you want. Really? Can I go, go the last thing I want to do is limit you uh, audibly. Okay. I want you to just feed me and I'll react in a... um in a sort of natural, maybe comedic kind of way. Well, first, that? first, can you just first answer the question. Okay, okay. Because you're not gonna get to make any happy noises if you get if you get it wrong. Okay. So, okay, so we'll say first question out of I don't know five. Mario, red or green shirt? He's a red shirt. That's right. That is one point. Grab a point. <laughs> I, I I grabbed it. Okay, I did. Well, you were talking about like making some noises. Oh, sorry. All right, um, jubilant noises. Yeah. Okay, great. That sounds like a person who got a point. <laughs> so in Super Mario World, can you ride Yoshi or Shmoshi? Yoshi. That is correct. That is another point. Yeah. <laughs> the same, the same sound. I guess. I mean, it wasn't the same quantity of points so yeah. i don't know i don't know why i would expect it to change i think that you should give me more points now for well i mean the rules are pretty strict on this <laughs> <laughs> sorry i didn't realize you crunched the numbers you got out the excel sheet for me okay question number three princess peach human or actual peach princess peach is a human that, that is correct that one i'm gonna say this that one was worth two points already oh, so you've right. got two points that does not violate the rules of the game. Yahoo! Was that different? No. Gotta tell you, it's the last time you're getting two points. <laughs> um, if that was... I, I basically... I'm, I'm gonna level with you. I, I violated the rules. It wasn't a two-point question originally. I wanted to hear what happened, and you've disappointed me greatly. Um, uh, yeah, I will continue to disappoint you for the duration of this podcast. Perfect. Uh, question number four. Bowser, has he bowed that you are aware of? Ye- no, I feel like when he, even when he loses in Mario Kart, he's like not a graceful loser. Sure, that sounds right. Yeah. It's a point. Yeah, and then I'm, I'm jumping and I'm punching a box right now. Related to this game? No. Okay. All right, question five. Super Mario, ghosts in it? Sometimes. <laughs> 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 yes. Uh, that That is correct. That is a point. All right. I'm going off one of those super cool ramps. <laughs> awesome. So that's five points. You won. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. You want to start talking about Super Mario Brothers? Yeah, let's do it. Peter, I'm going to level with you. Um, I uh, I forgot to come up with a game. <laughs> oh, really? I couldn't tell. Yeah, I, I made that up on the spot. 
Um, I We hadn't done games in a while, and I completely forgot that was a thing. And uh, when you asked if I had a game, I didn't want to let you down. So that was our Super Mario game. <laughs> Thank you. I think I needed a win after last week. So Well, you got five out of five. Yeah. I mean, and we're total six points. That's really true. If that's how the numbers added up. The games recently have been sort of like one of those inky octopuses or a lightning bolt pickup. Was that from a, something? But um, the in, this game was more like you know I just slipped we slipped on a big old banana peel you know yeah are these are these references to something? Uh, yeah, so sometimes when when Mario gets together with his friends, they don't just you know hang out; they do activities, and one of those activities is go karting and don't ask any fucking questions about it. <laughs> <laughs> what they've done this one time um they've done it numerous times actually <laughs> in multiple platforms um okay. sometimes they return to the same places are you have you ever seen mario maybe driving around uh, on a beach around here or a mall no no well there aren't probably that many i've seen guys with mustaches and red shirts it could have been him <laughs> were they stout well you know it's hard to see in a car mm-hmm mm-hmm but like, you I mean you? It's really like if you start being able to see people like more than neck down, you are probably violating some laws. Oh, some serious laws. It's big time laws. I think that what you should do is go out tomorrow and just go to the go. Great, great. I was going to. I have to work. So right there, <laughs> done. Skip work. Okay. Go right to the go kart track. Look okay. out for these kind of characters. Okay. Are you sh- are you pointing to something? Because this is a podcast. Okay, no, I'm going to list them <laughs> off. Okay, okay. One is a yeah. mushroom man. Okay. So, do you have any questions about that? About the mushroom why would man? I? No. Okay, cool. Two of them are princesses. Okay. One with blonde hair. Do and they, one are they hair. from? Are they from competing kingdoms? They could be. You'll know them when you see them. There's several animals. A, a sort of a tortoise with a spiky shell. Mm-hmm. Is that cancer? That shell cancer. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 real bad. Should he, he be go- driving? <laughs> he goes out carting just to kind of take his mind off of things. And okay, I really don't. Th- I, if you see this guy, don't bring up. the I mean, as long as as long as he just gets to drive and no one hassles him on the track, I'm sure that can be therapeutic. Yeah, don't don't hassle him on the don't hassle anybody on the track for that matter. I mean, the track is sacred. Yeah, is that part of your bear religion? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, weirdly enough, my bear religion has many rules about go-kart etiquette. All religions do. Except, weirdly, Buddhism. Except for Buddhism, yes. But uh, there's also going to be like a dinosaur-looking guy with a long tongue. Um, And then a bunch of Italians. Just like four (laughs) to six Italians. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Do they have similar names in some cases? They're almost always in rhyming pairs. Okay. Um, like all Italians. Yes. Like, like Michael all... Garneri and Schmeichel Flarneri. Yes, yes. Famous famous brothers because that's how names work. Um, yep. <laughs> Both have mustaches. Yes. And you might – they also have very confusing surnames. Like they might uh, – Do they have mob ties? Mob ties and surnames. Okay. Yeah. So just watch out for those guys. You see them. Pay attention – because it might tell you a little bit something about this movie we, that we watched this week. Okay. Is this bit done? I'm speaking for our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you want to really start talking about the movie? Mamma Mia. Let's talk about the movie. The Amazon? <laughs> Sorry. 
<laughs> okay. Anyways, uh, so uh, so uh, in order to do the five versus uh, ninety second recap, how do you want to do this, bad boy? I don't remember where we're at. Well, who has like a bigger clout score? A clout score? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Are you doing another bit? Yeah, it was it was a little bit of a bit. Um, it was yeah, definitely uh, it was definitely a little bit of one. How about uh, I'll do the ninety second? Sure. And you do the five second, but I want you Can't. to do the five second first. So exactly how we do every other episode then? Yes. Okay, great. Uh, so five second recap is two plumbers meet dinosaurs, save the world. Pretty good. Should we start writing these ahead of time? No. Okay. <laughs> do you want to start writing them ahead of time? I don't have time to write five seconds worth of material, clearly, <laughs> as anyone who listens to this podcast knows. They, would, they pray that we don't prepare any of this garbage beforehand. I got, I got to tell you, if we didn't edit these, we would have zero listeners. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Why would anybody listen to us live like this with all the horrible breaks and pauses? And I can't believe people did radio shows and I including myself. Yeah. What did I fill the time with? Now I totally know why. Uh, like I grew radio up was Steve canceled. Dahl. I know why Steve Dahl he talks like this. And he talks kind of at this pace, and he kind of doesn't doesn't speed things up too much ever. And uh, so. 90 second recap. Mario, Mario, and Luigi. Mario are plumbers in New York. They meet Daisy, a princess uh, from another dimension. Daisy gets captured by two goons of King Koopa. It's played by Dennis Hopper. Daisy gets captured, brought into this, this other dimension. And Koopa hates plumbers. So when the plumbers come on through, Koopa makes their life very, very miserable uh, puts them in uh, the prison from 12 Monkeys and uh, chases them with cars and sends his goons after him and all that. And uh, eventually, the two plumbers uh, find a way to not only save uh, Princess Peach, but stop uh, Koopa's plan, which is to uh, merge his dimension with our dimension and become king of our dimension. Uh, and then while he's there... Dennis Hopper uh, drew this sort of transition of melding, melding of the worlds. Uh, Dennis Hopper does a 9-11. Oh, and then they Mario and Luigi save the day. So, yeah. So, great recap that Thank I you. totally heard and wasn't doing <laughs> other things while you recorded it uh, on mic. Uh, you, you mentioned all the sodomy, right? Numerous accounts great. of sodomy. I saw the director's cut. So, this movie is perfectly timed for a post-Trump world. Because fucking King Koopa is so rapey and creepy and he's got so much of a, like, uh, bullshit hectoring quality to him that's very Trumpian. And, and Dennis Hopper... We're really being, we're really jumping in, aren't we? Yeah, Dennis Hopper for being a uh, conservative. I think Dennis Hopper voted Republican by the end of his life, right? I think so. It's so weird that, like, one of the minds behind Easy Rider became, like, so conservative, which – but I guess that that is the story of a lot of people. It's kind of the story of my parents who were super liberal, like, met in the Peace Corps and then now are, like, extremely conservative. There, there was something that happened that I still am kind of scared is going to happen to me someday where all of a sudden I'm like, you know what? 
Uh, I know I've been pretty liberal my entire life, but now I've decided that gays don't deserve the same rights as us. <laughs> I think it's that uh, being liberal back in the day, being countercultural in, you know, 60s and 70s, a lot of that had to do with uh, not trusting the government and uh, protesting the government and just, yeah, like uh, I was talking about this today, how like in Ghostbusters, the fact that like Peck is like an EPA dude uh, and he's the villain in the movie is kind of reactionary, but the fact, but like all, a lot of those guys came from an era where the government would send you off to Vietnam to die and like Watergate was still a thing and like nobody trusted Johnson and like the people's faith in government was, was not high at the time. So like, yeah, so I guess it makes sense in some ways that they would transition to uh more current Republican thinking. And then, unfortunately, there's a lot of stuff that comes along with that. And I think a lot of people just kind of, you know, when you're hanging out with a bunch of people who are talking a certain way about the government and then are also like, and this is going on and this eventually, like, I've seen that in my parents, like more and more conservative beliefs have like crept up over the years. Yeah. I think sometimes when you surround yourself with people that think a certain way and all you're doing is talking to those people. You sort of sometimes getting like new beliefs glopped onto you until you're just this like, uh, I don't know, what's something that gets glopped on? Tape? Yeah, tape. Yeah. I feel like there's an actual phrase. Gloop? No. Gloop like, gets glopped? Like you get, a, yeah, gloop does get glopped. I can confirm that from all the Dr. Seuss books I've been reading. <laughs> Ectoplasm? <laughs> I don't know. Um, just something where you've absorbed like a sponge. Yes. There we go. A sponge, guys. I would think the uh, the sort of like conservatism that baby boomers uh, picked up, a lot of baby boomers, I should say, picked up uh, in, in regards to, uh, you know, not giving a shit about gay rights, not giving a shit about feminism, like a lot of that stuff that we were like, but you guys were ch- children of the 60s. Like one can make the argument that we bought – the concept of the 60s and the sexual revolution as something that literally happened. Uh, whereas, like, for a lot of people, that was just an excuse for, like, dudes to have sex with lots of women, but, like, they would still call their girlfriend a slut if their girlfriend experimented. Like, the, yeah. The, the more, yeah, well, the more still just... existed, it's just guys felt more liberated um, in a lot of cases. I think some of it, too, is just cognitive dissonance. Like, if you figure, like, the baby boomers uh, in in the Reagan years, like, were like, well, I don't believe in this religious uh, conservative aspect of it, but I believe less government is a good thing. Eventually, I think it's a natural human uh, condition to be like, if you feel shitty about that you're supporting this Christian right – Eventually, you either need to reject the other half of it or absorb the whole thing because it's really hard to sit there and go, well, this part disgusts me, but I like this part, so I'm going to support it fully. Like, it's the the house divided thing. Like, the human brain has real trouble, like, basically believing two opposing concepts at the same time. And so, a lot of times, it's easier just to eventually go – Oh, yeah, I also believe this stuff. Now I can accept the philosophy uh, wholeheartedly. Yep. And uh, that's the biggest problem with America today is uh, 
people who refuse to go against party lines to do what's right because then all of a sudden they would be called a hypocrite by their own people and they would be called confused by the opposition. The so Den- skip ahead yeah. to talk about the election. Yeah, so Dennis um, Hopper, so what's interesting is Dennis Hopper plays King Koopa and like right out of the bat, uh, King Koopa has, during the election, he, he was related to Donald Trump, the sort of like slick businessman um exterior hiding a fucking like reptilian animal underneath and uh dennis hopper also played a sort of like uh neocon even bush riff in land of the dead which is funny to me because like donald the the, the king koopa is clearly never supposed to be like a, a republican conservative riff i don't think just a riff on politicians in general but um yeah, in, in Land of the Dead, his character is sp- totally supposed to be like a neocon Bush kind of riff. Um, so it's just funny that like De- Dennis Hopper managed to give us two really potent allegorical characters for the various monsters that we face today. So I, I think what we have here is we have the same thing at play. Um, Dennis Hopper, while playing King Koopa, was like, look, if I'm going to spouse all these King Koopa-like beliefs... And I don't start living them, then I'm a hypocrite. That's so true. That's so, so true. That is when King Koopa uh, and Dennis Hopper started hating plumbers. <laughs> Literally, his toilet backed up. He bought a new house. <laughs> I'm not letting one of those scum in my home. Yeah, yeah it is a weird parallel. And it's um, – I actually so being very aware of it of when I watched it. Like, besides his, uh, yeah, his gross sexual advances and the fact that he kind of looks like an early 90s Donald Trump and he's a corrupt politician and he only cares about himself. Like, I don't think there's like in the way he talks or his mannerisms or his competency level is as related to Trump. Like, he's relatively uh, competent but surrounds himself with incompetence which i would say in a lot of ways is the opposite of donald trump and obviously like actual mannerism so besides just being kind of an evil asshole with political aspirations uh and political success i don't think the similarities are as close as some people were looking for all right so hear me out okay so one the weird hair now King Koopa's is more of a rigid weird hair. It's got a spike sort of a punk rock look, but like a business punk rock look. Uh, <laughs> like like if, if 80s trends had like diverted just slightly. Um, it's like if Sid Vicious eventually ended up as a copy boy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, number two. The fact that he has like he's building a harem of women and he's like a sexual creep uh, and he prides himself on that. Uh, number three is that uh, he's a New Yorker. Uh, number four, he's he's a Mushroom Kingdomer. Well, the, mush- the Mushroom Kingdom in this is clearly or Koopaville or whatever is clearly like a New York riff, and he wants I mean, to it's cross a parallel the- dimension. Yeah, he's supposed he wants to cross over to the to the threshold and and go- get back to New York. Um, also, I don't have any evidence for this, but King Koopa did a nine eleven. Donald Trump probably did a nine eleven. I wouldn't well, put it both, past him. Both were, I can say 100% fact, both were <laughs> weirdly happy about 9-11 because it's uh, true. it means that King Koopa won and Donald Trump went on that fucking radio show and said that now his building was the biggest in lower Manhattan or whatever. Oh, I remember that. That was 
fucking awful. I remember the day of people were just like, (laughs) but post 9-11, I think we gave everyone like six months of of craziness like we're just like except bill could, maher like you could say you could, oh, except for bill maher that's true <laughs> we we gave in, in retrospect everyone was right yeah as long as you said like as long as you said something that was vaguely uh like uh islamophobic vaguely racist against the middle east or you said something that was like you know stupid as fuck but at least like we we gave people a pass for like six months like when bush came out and told everyone to go shopping or like uh yeah like get a fanny pack guys yeah any other week (laughs) the donald trump quote about like oh yeah my uh you know my my building's now the tallest in new york or whatever uh that was the morning of yeah like he (laughs) P.S. Guys, we elected him president. Great yeah. work, everyone. <laughs> uh, but like, I think right after nine eleven, people got away with a lot of crazy shit, and like Giuliani and Frank Miller and like all these people, just like never really recovered. Recovered from it, which is like tragic in one way, but it would be way more easy to appreciate the tragedy. Bill Maher, who was the guy who, like, was giving in some ways them credit for, like, let's not – these people are not cowards and that's missing the point of what's going on. Now he's, like, as Islamophobic as, you know, some people on the conservative side. So I wonder if that kind of – that whole experience fucked him up too. It's true. I, I, we're more likely to see the people that went truly nuts on is the people on the other side, which is, you know – Kind of understandable for the same reason you were just talking about that, like you're. It's harder for you to to see um, the the contradictions in your own your own party or what you affiliate yourself with. I've got more. Yeah. I've got more Koopa's Donald Trump stuff though that we got to get out. Go ahead. There. Yeah. Go ahead. Um. So yeah, he's he's got the Donald Trump thing where like he's he's like a Biff Tannen or a, a Potter where he's just about um you know fun and games for distracting people but he's just trying to like take their money uh and then he's fond of secret prisons and then my final one is uh koopa says at one point he's sitting in a mud uh, pool you know what i love about mud it's clean and it's dirty at the same time and that's in fact george lucas wrote that line <laughs> and that's one of those great um did you know that words don't have meaning lines <laughs> like it's it's like almost like a dadaist or did you know that like nothing that you say really has any meaning words can mean whatever the hell you th- you think they mean which is a very true i think thing. we've shown that on our podcast yes <laughs> so, sometimes when i'm listening back to them i'm like I meant the opposite of that. Hopefully, everyone figured it out when they're listening. Yeah. Uh, sometimes when you're like, you're, I, I you're kept, say, I kept saying more Hispanics voted for Trump than Obama instead of Romney last week. Like, what the fuck was that? Um, hopefully, everyone figured out what I was trying to say. Anyway, so racist. I think, uh, yeah. So I think what you've made clear by your list is that it is not a tenuous connection, but a one to one ratio. Yes, one hundred percent. Uh, no, like, I get it. I, you know, there was the other thing of, like, the Baron from Dune where people, I Baron think. Baron Harkonnen, yeah. Yeah, I think any megalomaniac is in fiction. People were, because Trump was such an oddity in our politics that people were, like, seeing parallels. And I think they're there, but I, I it's definitely not a, I don't know. I think there's probably better um, 
better connections. So let me say one thing. I was being facetious, obviously. I don't think it's yeah, really no, I that. Know. I don't think it's really supposed to be like a a, par- a direct parody of him or even like a particularly damning indirect one. But one thing, one of our big mistakes that from 2016 was, uh, I think, constantly using like liberal pop culture touchstones to talk about the election and so like uh yes like we're all teasing like the lena dunham rap video thing that like everybody fucking hated and we were like what is how is this gonna get any votes like this is this isn't even preaching to the choir this is the pastor preaching to himself but uh i think that i think that the the king koopa as trump thing is just to put a kind of pin in that it's a very easy way to just dismiss political discourse to just be like that guy's bad he's just like a he's just like b he's just like it's it's like just calling him hitler didn't work this time well because we we overused hitler way too much that's a lesson for like don't ruin words that might be important to use as a comparison yeah like we could have gotten one good thing out of Hitler, and that would be uh, yeah to discourage more Hitlers. Yeah, that that was that was the problem because everyone was like, "He's like Hitler," and they're like, "Oh, you said that about me when I didn't like Guardians of the Galaxy," <laughs> which you know, no, but this guy is like Hitler. Um, He's like super when, Hitler, and then you've got to get mega super Hitler, and then eventually. mega. It's like from Wolfenstein, yeah, <laughs> oh, like that Hitler. Um, it is funny though because. With all these comparisons to Trump, when there actually was a like purposeful uh, analogy to Trump in Biff Tannen from Back to the Future Two, yeah, that is was a hundred percent. And then yeah, your comparison to to Potter from uh, to It's a Wonderful Life was also pretty apt. Actually, so let's let's like back up ten steps um, because I don't think we've ever talked about uh, how we feel about this movie. I mean, but the basis of this month is that we're doing movies that. We haven't seen a while, but at least, like, respect on some level or remember liking them. So, yeah, what's your experience with this movie? And, oh, my God, I got, like, the hiccups. Uh, So, what's your experience with this movie and what did you think about it this time? So, this movie kind of brings up a a larger point for me that I think that a lot of like older people when they engage for art for ch- that's intended for children and we could argue whether or not this movie's for children that's a much broader point <laughs> they talk about shit that kids don't care about which is like how good of an adaptation of the source material it is or like how much it uh you know it captures the spirit of the original source material like shit that kids don't really care about i saw this movie as a like weird 6 7 year old and I really liked it. I thought it was like an imaginative, weird-looking movie. It's not just off of nostalgia. I like it for the same reason I liked it as a kid because the crazy set design and all this goopy like mold and spores and mushroom shit all over the place, and and the fact that it was just a weird movie and it had these dark tones to it. And as a kid, especially, I was the youngest of four kids. Uh, which isn't a huge family by Armstrong standards, but... Uh, yeah, we have 37. Yeah. <laughs> and growing. Eight clones. Wow. Don't leave science around the Armstrong house. <laughs> we'll use it. <laughs> Except birth control science. <laughs> which is filthy and against God's will. Yeah. Um, against the bear lord. <laughs> so being the youngest kid in my family, I liked stuff that I was allowed to watch but felt weird and a little bit adult. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I didn't like stuff that was that felt overly like it was overly targeting me. I didn't I didn't really want to watch movies about like a happy 
dancing squirrels and like i didn't want to watch like the famous disney movie yeah <laughs> lucky the squirrel yes yes i didn't want to watch song of the south for the thousandth time i didn't actually watch song of the south as a kid uh <laughs> but yeah I, I that wasn't the stuff that attracted me it was like weird stuff that i was allowed to watch as a kid was was the stuff that attracted me and i i liked it as a kid and now i still i still like the movie it's it's i think it survived this nostalgia audit with even more flaws laid bare than before i still really dig it and so this came out for me i was 10 and this came out the same summer as jurassic park that was maybe the first like pg-13 movie that my parents were because i was so into dinosaurs and i was like asking my parents every day to go see it and they surprised me and let me go see it but then they were this was rated pg and they were kind of weird about it they were like no you're not gonna see this so i i didn't end up seeing this till like maybe two or three years later so it's about 12 and i did like it i thought it was weird and it was fun and it was it was still kind of at that age where movies are never really bad there's just like movies you want to watch again and then movies you don't you don't really have those i think critical faculties or at least i didn't it was just oh i can't wait to watch that again but in honesty excuse me uh in all honesty it was actually more like well i'll watch anything again because my parents were very strict about tv yeah usage so anyway so i really liked it um i it was a little bit like Anytime they give you a little something from the video game, it was like, oh, that's a ba-bomb. Um, but it wasn't It wasn't something where it was – you're right. Like as a kid, you're not like, this This is nothing like the game that I loved. Like you don't have that aspect of your personality yet. It's more like you get excited for the things that are present. But as far as you know, this was a totally rational way to adapt a Super Mario Brothers movie. Uh even though, looking back, it clearly was a fucking crazy way to adapt a Super Mario Brothers movie. And there are reasons for that, but that does really make it, it its kind of own thing. And it definitely fails at an adaptation, but it's weird and strange as a movie. I think that's what's important. And to be honest, the concept is really the thing I liked then, and I still like the best now. I love the idea of... What if dinosaurs went on their own little, like, parallel evolution track and, like, evolved into some sort of humanoid type? You know, because, you know, when 65 million years ago, the the mammals that were around were, like, rodents. And eventually we became apes and now us. Or that happened in a couple days, depending on your religious beliefs. (laughs) Yeah, like, what would have happened to dinosaurs? And I guess you could make the argument some of them became birds. Maybe that's true. Uh, Maybe it's not. But I still love that idea of, hey, give these dinosaurs 65 million years. What if they became something humanoid? I think they fall down a little bit on making them too close to humanoids where they even like are using the same police uniforms. And I don't think they made it strange enough. But the core concept, I think, is really solid. Yeah. And I think like knocking this movie on logic is such a strange way to engage it for me like obviously this movie doesn't fucking make any logical sense like the like it's kind of a perfect time capsule of misunderstanding how evolution works that it's it's this like straight track of, like no matter what it was leading to yeah no matter uh, what we were the, yeah no matter it's intelligent it, design 
ID. Sort of like Earth-centric models of the universe or of the galaxy where you're just like, you guys couldn't imagine a universe where people that look like us aren't the center of it, like <laughs> in any way, shape or form. But uh, the yeah, the, the way that... The well, that's always the sticking part about evolution where people are like, oh, yeah, well, then how do you explain all the things that had to come together to make us like it was a preordained plan? And it's like, no... That's not what happened. Like, this is just where we're at because this is where we're at. It kind of feels like going to that, uh, like, a, the Noah's Ark Museum where... Uh, Answers in Genesis. Yeah, or the... the I want to yeah, visit so bad. Yes. It, it reminds me of going to the... Let's record a live episode. <laughs> yes. Or from... And we'll do a special episode from the uh, Intelligent Design Museum where they talk about how, uh, you know... Apes could never have evolved to us. And you're like, you don't know how this this works. Like, there's like a picture of a gorilla. And they're like, does that look like your brother? You're like, would you marry a gorilla? <laughs> like, yes. Are you calling my wife a gorilla? That gorilla, yes. You picked a particularly sexy gorilla yeah, for this that, picture. That's a hot gorilla. Like... <laughs> <laughs> this movie has as much, understands about as much as evolution as, as like... Um, intelligent design creationists uh do because it, it, it's kind of charming in that way because it's not doing it for political means it's doing it just to tell for story convenience yeah a strange fucking story and apparently yeah. there was there was a, a lot of movie before they go through the portal mario and luigi go through the portal and uh they cut it down so that they could get them to go through the portal into into koopa world faster and just have that anim that weird animated sequence at the beginning instead yeah and this i mean dinosaurs were in brooklyn yeah the best narrator ever <laughs> like hey guy buying a hot dog from this stand would you like to open the new mario brothers movie with your voice yeah i would yeah depends how good the pay is boss yeah. <laughs> uh paella <laughs> paella hispanic oh i don't know <laughs> staying in guys i am trying to adapt to trump's america <laughs> um, <laughs> um, let me tell you a secret. I don't know that much about food. <laughs> yeah. Besides yeah. a pizza pie. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Italian. You're, you're yeah, back there. Got it. Nailed it. St um, stick to what you know. Yeah. And we're not going to go into it because we're not really that podcast, that type of podcast to begin with. But if you don't know it, highly recommend looking up at all the weird iterations of this movie that occurred and like uh why it's as bizarre as it is like there is like whole oral histories designed to telling the story of how this movie came to be but i'm not surprised that this movie ended up with a big cult following because and why i like it as well it's rare to see a movie that is this is separate it completely from the adaptation uh, aspect. There, there is something to be applauded about a movie that is just an unrelenting stream of strange decisions. Not bad, not good, just bizarre decisions that they made at every turn. And the fact that it's still kind of a workable movie is something to, you know, get excited about. Uh, yeah. So uh, real quick history. They hired two commercial directors and a husband and, and wife team and everybody fucking hated them. Bob Hoskins, John Leguizamo hated them. 
Well, apparently they fought all the time. Yeah, and they poured coffee on an extra because he they didn't like his costume, his or her costume. Like they were apparently fucking monsters on the set. And I looked them up on IMDb, and they've done very little sense, which is good because everybody fucking hated them. So I can't believe looking this up, and probably one of the reasons why they haven't worked again is that this movie lost a ton of money. The budget was only I know it's 1993, but the budget was only 30 million dollars, and this movie made 20. It's kind of insane to me that even though this movie was not what everyone expected and got strange re- reviews or or got bad reviews, I should say, not strange reviews. Uh, it, got, it got bad reviews because it was a strange movie. Um, <laughs> Those reviews that were written in ancient Aramaic. Yeah. And- <laughs> There's some movies written. This movie reviews on a pizza pie. Um, <laughs> I want to read it, but I also want to eat it. Ah, that, it's sti- that it's still only made. million. Like, that's kind of crazy that something with that name recognition could do that poorly. Like, this this is still to this day, especially in 93, but to this day, it's the the biggest video game series that has ever been and will ever be. Like, nothing is ever going to take, overtake Super Mario for name recognition. I am still, they could have had Mario just spending 90 minutes unclogging a toilet and it fe- feels like it would have made its budget back. I, I must have had just toxic word of mouth because uh, I loved the series as a kid. Everyone I knew loved the series. Even kids that hate it. Like, even kids that were Sega kids. We were uh, Genesis kids. Even kids like us. Gross. Like me and my brother and my siblings were like, yeah, but like I think I think Genesis is better than Super Nintendo but like Mario. I wish I had Mario. And then when N64 came out... You guys I, had Italian accents in the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Gabagool and Mario. <laughs> um, and uh, we... Wait till the Italian Defamation League. <laughs> they went after the Sopranos. They're coming after us. <laughs> uh, Michael Garnieri is just sitting and stewing. I think... Those that- sons of bitches. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we just should have brought on uh, Michael Garnieri, not asked him to watch the movie, but asked him to just yell at us the whole the whole, or just uh, accept our like every time we do an offensive Italian accent for him to go. That's okay, right? And he goes, Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, we're good. And then and then we're covered. The Garnieri it's like it, seal of approval. Yeah, it's a piece of capicola. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a calzone. It's just like a calzone. <laughs> Thankfully. Uh, our uh, accents aren't recognizable as Italian. So. <laughs> like, I'm getting vaguely ethnic. Uh, yeah, it's it's just a voice, I guess. They're doing voices now? Man, Trump's America really changed. <laughs> is, that, is that better or worse, though? Because just doing a generic... Uh, if your accent is so bad that it becomes a generic accent, that's just a shotgun blast of offensive because you're just you're not just targeting Italians at that point. You're targeting like I don't know who knows who you're targeting. All Mediterranean people, all Eastern, uh, Middle Eastern people. Yeah, so so completely bizarre. This movie didn't make money. Although, like I said earlier, it did come out in close proximity to Jurassic Park. So, and which was the number one movie for a while. So I suppose when you like. If you're a kid, you want to go see Jurassic Park, and then after you've seen Jurassic Park, you want to go see Jurassic Park again. So I can maybe in that context, 
the reasons like Super Mario Brothers and Last Action Hero kind of got lost in the shuffle is that you had like a cultural phenomenon that everyone wanted to go see over and over. And a movie that easily could have been a piece of shit bomb. Like, do, do people forget about this now? Like, especially Spielberg is such a confident filmmaker that – and he, he pulls these like super competent pictures out of pretty audacious projects that like – Jurassic Park still feels so comfortable, like, 20 years later. It still feels yeah, like a I movie... Never, I never feel threatened. It still feels like a movie that is full of such core-level competence that, like, he never... He knew he was never making a fool of himself. Like, I think people don't give Jurassic Park enough credit, which is a weird thing to say about one of the most respected blockbusters of all time. Like, I think people don't... Film people don't give it enough credit for... Because of how big of a risk it was. And once people knew that that risk had paid off and the dinosaurs looked incredible and they still look incredible by modern standards, like better than shit in, in you know, all the other Jurassic Park movies. That's, that's actually true. Um, there's a few shots in, in worlds that I think are as impressive as the original, but overall not as much, but yeah. Anyways, so we're, this movie, we're not talking about Jurassic Park, but yeah, there, there's a, uh, there's a genuine cultural phenomenon that this got caught up in the middle. And I don't, but I, I think the toxic word of mouth must have been the reason why. Cause like this movie must have confused parents and scared children. Cause it's very dark and very weird. Yeah. And, you know, super rapey. Yeah. Which, again, if you're making, we talked about this before. Um, really, any movie. In, unless you're prepared to treat uh, your sexual assault. Or the threat of sexual assault, seriously, uh, don't put it in a movie. But really, under any circumstances, stop putting it in children's movies. Uh, yes. Like, why? Yes. Who, who is that for? Yeah. It's, it's, if you're trying to be edgy, you're like, look, this is going to be kind of for adults, going to be super edgy. Fine. But it's still a fucking kid's movie. Don't like you don't go around actual kids and wave a gun around and like start saying, I'm going to say fuck a bunch. I'm edgy. I'm not going to let these kids bring me down. It's like then don't make the goddamn movie. Yeah, it, it, it's weird because like it's so noncommittal. Like it's just like what? Well, and the directors did want to make it an R rated movie. Yeah, it's true. Um, they did hire the Blade Runner, you know, set designer. So uh, they saw Blade Runner and they're like. I see a man jumping on a jumping on a mushroom's head. We're still they're they're Italian too. Yeah, everybody's okay. Italian in this movie. Uh, yeah, especially uh, British person Bob Hoskins. Yeah, um, so I I should say uh, he feels like he was cast solely on his mustache. The one I'm not going to criticize this about how different this is from uh, the source material. Obviously, it's it's totally different. But I will say, from a movie perspective, the weirdest choice they make. Making Mario not really the main character of this movie. I think that uh, the fact that Mario's kind of this older guy who is looking after uh, Luigi, who's his younger brother, but he's also kind of like a father to him. And then Luigi is the one that has kind of the romantic uh, interest and the princess and stuff like that to save. That is a bizarre choice because Mario is the person that people want to see and root for. Um, Luigi is Lu fine. Mario is the person that people want to see. So, and on top of that, he, in his story, his whole thing is that he has a princess to rescue. So they took away his princess 
and they kind of give it to Luigi. But he still gets a princess to rescue. Kind of, but like it's it would have been so, I think, better for the movie, better for like kids that are watching this to have a character to relate to, is if they would have done, you know, essentially similar ages and Mario's the lead. You know, Luigi's kind of the sidekick. Like that's that is a narrative trope that exists. And so the fact that they decide to make him like father and son figure with Luigi getting all of the interesting stuff to do while Mario just kind of saves his butt and is the wise one. That feels almost a direct result of casting Bob Hoskins. Yeah, um, because Bob Hoskins sort of takes on, which I should say right now, I think that the casting in this movie is really fun. In theory, I think all the casting is great. Bob Hoskins as Mario is a really great idea. Um, Though we just found out that apparently Mario is supposed to be 25 years old, according to the canon, which is irrelevant, I guess. But like in this movie, in the the Mario canon, he's supposed to be sort of permanently 25 years old. That's what the creator yeah, because yeah, you don't need to be old to grow a mustache. You just need to be like an adult. Yeah, exactly. But uh, so I think the casting of this movie, it's not quite as good as the Flintstones movie, because I think the Flintstones movie is like gold. It's really level. good. Gold yeah. level. Great casting, but, like, what the fuck were you doing with the script? This is what the fuck are you doing in the script, but uh, I think the casting is still pretty solid. I think Bob Hoskins is a great choice for Mario. He's got a really fun fake Italian accent. I think making John Leguizamo... Just like us. Yeah, just like us. I think making John Leguizamo his... his, brother they have good i think they have good chemistry together and and i've heard people complain that like well bob hoskins is a british person and john leguizamo is a hispanic person and they're playing italians and i'm like yes like that matters and like when they're adapting like a comic book like about asian characters or whatever but in 1993 or whatever this movie came out came out was mario's italianness really important like is that part of the character that you just i that you really identify with this movie does sort of seem like it was adapted from the uh, instruction manual that came with games yes <laughs> like you know how they have all these stories and stuff like that that didn't really actually correspond to the game you're playing on the old NES games where, well, he's just going from right to left, but they had all this in the mushroom kingdom. Bowser has to, you know, they had those kind of narratives that that's what this movie feels like it was adapted from that. Someone read the instruction book and was like, I'm going to make a story out of this. Well, Bob Hoskins didn't even know it was, uh, it was a video game until his, his like kids told him and let him play that halfway through production. Yeah, I really like Bob Hoskins in general, but I I still feel like the biggest mistake this movie makes is deciding to make Mario and Luigi a father-son relationship instead of, like, two equal brothers and make Luigi the sidekick. I agree they're not equal, but I don't see it as father-son. I see it as as big brother, little brother. But they are almost explicitly that, like... He says, like, he's my father, my mother. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Uh, no, but but uh, he says explicitly that our parents died and Mario raised me like a son when they're at dinner. In By the way, that dinner is just as much personal. I can totally buy that they had to cut down the script because the first 15 minutes of this movie is awkwardly trying to cram so much exposition into your face. Like the fact that he's watching that TV show that's about parallel dimensions yeah. at the beginning. So he's a believer. Yeah, he's like, the first thing is he's watching this TV show, and the guy on there talking about parallel dimensions, and Luigi turns to Mario and is like, look, they're talking about parallel dimensions, and Mario's like, those don't exist. It's like, 
how much worse foreshadowing could your movie? That's like if Keanu Reeves in The Matrix was watching TV and they're like, look, it's it's computers using people as batteries. Ah, you big goof. <laughs> That'll never happen. Go to work. Yeah. <laughs> um, Have a pizza. <laughs> Can you do that again, please? Have a pizza. <laughs> Have a pizza. <laughs> the only thing worse than... The only thing worse than saying ethnic names that you're at is doing ethnic accents, which is actually a plus at this point in America's history. Not being able to do uh, any sort of other other uh, cultural groups accent is a plus. Yeah, it's it's a strength to you. But yeah, I, but yeah, the movie I'm, also. I'm great. I'm great the, at accents. So speaking of the movie doing, um, speaking of the movie doing everything super super fast, let's just rattle off a few things that happen. So he says, uh, anything anything's possible, Mario. You just gotta believe. Which is like the movie's thesis laid out in the most plain terms possible within three seconds and then reiterated five times in 15 minutes then he meets daisy they instantly fall in love for like almost no reason they actually have decent chemistry of two people who just met you know what else is weird about that is that they did just meet and they're having again the most plot revealing where everyone's like you're an orphan i'm an orphan too um you know normal i just met a lady pizza dinner with my brother and his girlfriend but Mario and his girlfriend, like, they want those two to fuck. Like, they are pushing for it hard. I think he just wants him uh, out of the house a little bit because apparently he just sits around watching um, shitty TV shows about... Uh, called called Foreshadowing Inc. Yeah. <laughs> Three, two, one, foreshadowing. So, okay, so... Um, the meet cute with them works fine because I think like John Leguizamo and Samantha Mathis have like decent chemistry for two people that just met and like they're both yeah. like they're both like attractive people like I think they they like have a a thing that could work but they're they're not supposed to be two people that are like eh, let's see where this goes they're supposed to be two people that are like madly in love with each other right away and uh, there's this line right after they leave they leave dinner on their first date. She says, if you want to end this right now, it's not anything right now. You met like an hour ago. <laughs> like, that's what psychopaths say. If you want to end this right now, pay the bill. Yeah. <laughs> because we need to leave the pizza place. She says, if you want to end this right now, and they're walking down the street, and she's like, because I'm kind of weird. And then he's like, yeah, like, I'm weird too. Like, I don't want to end this. Like, th there's... No understanding of how two human beings work when they just met. Like, yeah. Or like, but that whole 15 minutes, again, hearing that they had to really cut some stuff down so that they can get into that uh, portal as soon as possible makes so much sense because they are barely disguising dialogue as just straight exposition. Yeah. And like, why are the Scapellis such a central part of the plot? Like... They're, they're like rival plumbers, which is like a fine way to like open the movie. Like just like uh, they're they're plumber entrepreneurs. Like it's a nice way to endear yourself to these two guys that they're like fighting for every job. They're not like the plumbers that you think of in the real world, which are um, uh, rude when they show up and they're always late. And like, like the, the rap that plumbers get um, from homeowners is like that they're rude and awful. Uh, well, and most of them make t over uh, 
$250,000 a year. Yes. And support John McCain for president. <laughs> oh, um, yes. And That's my plumber stereotype. Yeah. <laughs> I met one plumber. His name was Joe. And uh, he supported John McCain for president. And he was an asshole about it. Yeah. That's a nice way to endear us to them. Because like, even if you don't like, if you have a bad plumber experience, this movie has some big anti-plumber rhetoric, though, once we get through the portal. Um if you have a bad plumber experience, you're like identifying with these guys right away. And then there's Scapelli show up and there's like rival group that's also working for the fucking um the, the, the fucking like Italian mob who wants this building project to move forward and that they're also tied in with the Teamsters and at the end of the movie that we have to like return to the Scapellis, like there's some sort of like massive vile threat on the movie that we need to take care of. Like what is with that? This movie is anti-union <laughs> and, and anti-government. And anti... Uh, I think the only real Italians in the movie are the Scapelli, so maybe anti-Italian as well. <laughs> yeah. I think this movie's a little hard to talk about because in the way that we normally talk about movies... Because it has cocaine really logic. Like. It has cocaine logic. The reason that people like it, and that includes both of us, is because of how bizarre it is. Yes. It's not bizarre good it's not like david lynch or like it's not purposefully bizarre to give you a sense of misdirection it's eight different scripts pushed together with five different producers and two different directors and it kind of made this weird cultural artifact based on like a very known property um and it does it has some weird cool stuff that they decided to include but it's it's goofy and it's like who thought that was a good idea? And I'll give you an example. Like I really like the de-evolution scene. Um, I think that's a really great idea um, of like how to bring Goombas in, but also like I like the design of the Goombas. Um, and it's just kind of a really goofy, sinister like movie villain plot uh, that you would see in like a kid's cartoon show. Like let's de-evolve people. But then there's just like who thought that this was necessary – and it's funny to kind of – you are laughing at it, which is they have like a whole video demonstrating how the de-evolution process works that they show people, I guess, before they de-evolve them. Um, much, like, much like right before you get a lethal injection, they show you a slideshow of the science behind lethal injections. Yeah, like you're not um, a technician during the project. You're pretty much just the victim. But then on top of that, all over the walls of the de-evolution chamber, they have, like, the, the standard evolution chart uh, in reverse for dinosaurs all over the place, which is hilarious. Like, why would you do that? Why would you put, like, in the de-evolution chamber? It's kind of like, again, lethal injection chamber. If they put, like, a, a guy with skin and then he dies and then, like, slowly you see his skin come off. And then here's him with just a skeleton at the end. Yeah. <laughs> it's who who is that for? Like, we get it. We're about to see what's going to happen. Like, yeah, the movie over explains stuff way too much. And I think that's the that is a result of too many chopped up versions of a script where they kept like stopping to re-explain it to you because the they had designed the script to get from point A to point C and then B explained it, but then they took out B. So then, like, they added this new letter that's in there to uh, help the audience catch up, but it ends up just being completely bizarre in a very fun way, but it's still goofy bizarre in a 
laughing at sometimes way more than laughing with, and that's fine. Like that's that's a worthwhile, enjoyable thing. But I almost want I almost feel like it was necessary to say that because both Peter and I really do like this movie. We're not trying to do the this movie sucks. Look how dumb this is. But like these decisions give us joy. I think that the decisions in the set design, because that's primarily what I defend in this movie, is how is the set design and the look and feel of it, the, the whole texture of it. Yeah, you don't get too many aesthetics that are just like people don't cover their nose when they sneeze. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just covered. The whole movie is covered in slime and filth. But I think that the, when the the aesthetic works best when it's just. Um, abstract nonsense, like yeah. uh, the scenes of like the the weird their weird version of Central Park, and it's just chaos. And like you're like, how does the city ever work? Like this, people are just falling off balconies and shit, and like the people are falling into electrical grids. Like uh, this, this should never work. It's the scenes, it's the the bits of set design that are like over explain things. You're like. Yeah, we get it. Like, you're about to show us a scene how the de-evolution chamber works. Like, you don't have to, like, foreshadow something that's going to happen in, like, two seconds. Like, that's not how foreshadow And then over-explain it and then, like, have background graphs. Yeah. Uh, in case. I always assume, and I think this every time I watch the movie, I forget that the the world isn't underground because you get that shot of the skyscraper, which indicates that it's not all underground, but every shot of the streets make it look like, I suppose a set, a closed set. It was built in a, it was built in a warehouse. So like, and then they were like, it doesn't look it at all. (laughs) (laughs) It, It apparently they shot other stuff on the set, like parts of the crow. And I'm imagining they took some of the slime off. But it's a... Uh, you gotta leave that on. Yeah. <laughs> and it's awesome because it looks like something you would build out of Legos as a kid where it's just like there's no real city planning involved. It's just these sort of like uh, pipes running into pipes running into other... It's like a Kowloon walled city type smash yeah. up of a, of, a, of a city. And you're like... And then massive pictures of Koopa kissing babies and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, I really like the poster designs. Um, very like obey, they live, John Carpenter, uh, except with like the mask torn off. It's just, it's a very dirty, gross city. And then there's like these really overly clean, white, airbrushed posters everywhere. Yeah. Um, it's obvious this really, is really charming. Yeah, it is. Well, it's, again, the whole movie's obviousness is, is very charming, I think. Um, in a lot of in a lot of respects, one other thing that's bizarre, I think about the city is that like they copied police uniforms from the other dimension exactly, <laughs> no difference. Yep. But they did not think to uh and and their cars look exactly like just a beat up Chevy. No one thought about brakes. It's a little bit of Mad Max, but they were like. We just need the cars to get to the crime scene. We don't need them to actually stop there. Yeah, so we're not going to be able to stop the cars? No, we're, you're going to be able to stop the cars. There's going to be an intricate citywide design rope and pulley system. You just got to get the hook going. And and then, you know, you hook it right and stops like that. Just pronto. Snap fingers. And, you stop. And, and, like, and then uh, the cop car it has like a roll cage and shit and a, a, a fucking... Um, like a ski plow on the front. So it's just like 
basically the cops are playing bumper cars and everybody else it is, is it is exactly like someone if if they were getting these ideas from peeking into our dimension someone saw uh like bumper cars and was like that's how they do cars is this accidentally like a mad this is their weird mad maxian riff on mario kart <laughs> oh this is secretly a mario kart adaptation yeah a solid one <laughs> yeah really good uh-huh. uh yeah it is it is bizarre also bizarre about the city uh everyone in that dimension knows that there's a parallel dimension yeah like every single person you meet on the street is like are you from the parallel dimension like <laughs> like toad what would Koopa uh, have to gain by by letting people know that or is this just the sort of thing where stuff just pops up so often that that they like Koopa couldn't hide it from them anymore. Do you think they scapegoated him? Yeah, maybe. And also, like, they've clearly had a plumber problem before, because when he finds out that Mario and Luigi are there, he says plumber alert, and everyone knows what that means. I think that that's a, uh, Koopa is reacting to a prophecy that he's had. That he's had some sort of prophecy that plumbers are going to be his downfall. So now anytime that a plumber comes in, because I don't think he like specifically, the city needs plumbers, clearly. It's just like these. Well, actually, now that I think about it, yeah, plumbers would be the most likely profession to accidentally trip the rift. Yeah. (laughs) Because they're down there working in the sewer. Yeah. And then they fall through. So, yeah, maybe that's how everyone eventually they had to come clean and explain where all these plumbers are we're coming from that's the only way to justify it narratively i think is if there was a prophecy and he knew that plumbers were were going to be his downfall so he was like well i gotta keep plumbers out of here and then people started like yeah i don't know fixing pipes in koopa city and he was like well you're a plumber so you're going in our 12 (laughs) monkeys style uh guantanamo prison and yeah well and hold on so as long as we're talking about toad let me say this i think that toad and his music Proves that uh, fascism doesn't always create good art. <laughs> it is, yeah, uh, it was insane. It's Mojo Nixon, the, the psychobilly musician and, uh, you know, member of Jello Biafra. And uh, it's very, very weird to just see this guy and you're like, this isn't just a normal act, like, small role this guy is like weird like the camera is like focusing on him a little too lovingly yeah he has also figured out the entire plot of the movie p.s yeah Uh, he's like you know what people i just met i think all this fungus you see this is the king who got de-evolved into fungus and now lives among us uh okay toad this is one of those this movie is objectively bad but subjectively good moments where you're like (laughs) you're like well you can't have every character you meet just explain the plot like over and over and again. Like yeah, every yeah, he's fucking read the script. Yeah. <laughs> like he is, he's in a he's in a whole different Naked Gun movie where like the script is laying around as a gag, and he read it and like tells them something you're not going to find out till much later. But again, totally superfluous because later on, the Dennis Hopper explains. Yeah. What's going on? Every character they run into is an exposition character. (laughs) Daisy is an exposition character. Luigi is an exposition character. Uh, Fucking, obviously, Koopa is is an exposition character. Lena, which is Lena from the games or something? Uh, Not that I'm aware of. (laughs) 
I haven't played Mario is missing. I have no reason why they threw the Lena subplot in where he's just chasing Mrs. Dursley around for, for which is unfair because I think this, the woman who plays Lena has been acting for like a million years. Um, but uh, this Lena character is supposed to be uh, Koopa's like underling and she gets to stab Yoshi, which is a thing that kids want to see. And she also gets like this sort of competing plot with Koopa for who's going to get the the chance to to split the dimension and then she fails at the task. So like what what purpose does she serve that couldn't have been served by just having Koopa be like you need you're important. You're the one that needs to open the gate. I don't know. Kind of a cool effect where she's a weird skeleton after she blows up. Yeah, it looks it looks good on the wall. Like she becomes yeah. a, she becomes a fossil. Um, the whole movie is very feels very uh, especially that that uh, twelve monkeys stacked cage prison thing I was talking about. The whole movie feels like it's a Gilliam esque like dystopian thriller, like a uh, twelve monkeys or Brazil, but um, with like zippier music. Yeah, speaking as long as you mentioned music, how fucking weird is it that the while the producers logos are coming up, they play a. Uh, like a MIDI version of the theme song and then it never comes up again. Yeah, it's it is it is weird. I really like the theme song to this this movie, but uh this movie doesn't seem to have any sort of like loving attachment to the music from the games, which it might have been too early. Like it, it, it is the loving knowledge of like all the weird music from the various Super Mario Brothers games. Is that something that happened like later once so, just in general, the fact that people listen to video game music was something I found out like two or three years ago, um, and that was bizarre to me. Now, in my defense, I'm not a big fan of instrumental music for the most part in general. Um, like, I, there's 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 exceptions to that rule, of course, but there, I know people that like all they listen to is like film scores, and that just was never my thing. So the idea that people were just sitting and listening to video game scores was completely foreign to me. Not in a judgmental way, but just a, I can't imagine sitting down and doing that. But uh, having said that, the fact that people did that made me start noticing video game music a lot more than I ever did prior to even considering that that was an option. So I actually... While I may not listen to it, I I am way more aware of the music and that they use in video games than I probably ever was prior to that point, four or five years ago or whenever it was. Now, having said that, this movie does come after Super Mario Brothers 1, 2, 3, and Super Mario World, where essentially all of the iconic Super Mario songs were present in those four games. So the fact that they didn't even try to rework one is a little strange to me. I really do like the theme music in this movie, but yeah, it, it just feels strange so many years later to be like, that's the element you rejected? Because I do think the Zippy soundtrack was something that feels producer added that works. It feels like a producer was like, this doesn't feel like a kid's movie. So what we need is like happy kid's movie music. And I found sort of catchy themes for a couple of the segments that, that work for me. I also can't believe – I can't believe this is also the first time I noticed this, but I'm watching and this was the movie that introduced me to Walk the Dinosaur, um, a song that like I immediately wanted to listen to. And holy shit, I didn't realize because I haven't seen this in like 15 years that this does not have the was not was uh, the original version that it's a cover by George Clinton. 
So yeah, the club scene in the movie is so strange to me. You were talking about the introduction of the uh, the walk the dinosaur. Definitely yeah. the first time. Still I Still love that song. song. Yeah, this is definitely the first time. But like the weird thing about that scene is like it's not all walk the dinosaur style like fun goofy like rock songs that kids could get behind like funky rock songs. There's also like a slow dance sequence which no child has ever enjoyed. And it's between no. Mario and Big Bertha, who is a yeah. fish in the game, but is a uh, large woman, uh, corpulent in the terms of the movie, but she's a large woman in the movie, uh, which I felt like calling her fat was just kind of like unnecessary because like she comes into the movie and she's just like this powerful figure and then describe her as fat is like, well, come on (laughs) yeah it's and she's not like yeah it's so dumb it's 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 that kind of lazy mean sense of humor that the 90s movies had where it's like like fat people or people that are overweight are the butt of jokes in all senses you know looking back it just you know this this almost seems like a lesson that you would need to like watch with your kids and discuss why calling someone or judging someone based on their weight is not a nice thing to do um you know i don't know you know that thing that like you could get away with in the 90s but like you shouldn't do like i don't know saying uh like in teen comedies in the 90s when they would say fag about gay people but they like would say it in a context you're like well yeah like <laughs> they're they're friends with him. Like, it's cool. Well, even this movie has its, like, I don't know if it's gay panic, but it's, like, feminine panic, where when they're wearing the suits that belong to uh, women, and everyone's making fun of them, and it's just kind of, I don't know. It really doesn't go over well anymore. Yeah. It lands with a thud. Yeah. And I don't think the movie has that much offensive shit. I just thought the description of Big Bertha as corpulent was uh, really underdid. The fact that the set designer and the performance of the woman playing Big Bertha was a, a powerful, mysterious figure that, like, shows up in the movie for kind of no reason. And here's why she's mysterious. She is the bouncer at the club, but she's not working. She is not doing her job. I mean, she's working, but she's she's not doing her paid job that I assume that she is getting a, a check for every week. God, this movie just reminds me of Total Recall. The whole club reminds me of the weird club and total recall or it's just like, i have no evidence of this but i would at least give 50 50 odds it's the same set yeah <laughs> it's just like this uh all these mutants just hanging out and having a blast it's a strange thing that like in the 90s and 80s like they decided that like we're like yeah these uh these punk kids they go to these parties where nuclear mutants hang out and they listen to this crazy new music George Clinton and the Funkadelics. <laughs> Who were, like, um, never dangerous. Like, they were always, no. like, a good time psychedelic group. Like, Parliament, you know, was, you, never, Parliament was never that dangerous, was no. it? No, I, I don't. I wasn't alive, but I can't imagine that uh, it was. You're Although, older than me, you know, so I assume you've been alive since the beginning of time. Yeah, uh, at the beginning of time, a comet hit the Earth. And uh, dinosaurs went off into their own planet. That's just one city. Um, this is all from the Bible. Yeah, I mean, I've read the Bible. Have you read the Bible, like, front to back? Because, like, there's some stuff in there that I think you might uh, find troubling about plumbers. Oh, my gosh. So much weird stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you read it all the way through. Um, 
Well, it was always women's fault. <laughs> no matter what happened. The, the the Bible is the ultimate 80s uh, horror movie when it comes to um, how they treat female characters. God. Uh, uh, anyway, so actually I want to go back to something about the Big Bertha, though. I think that speaks to, like, they, they obviously threw out a lot of the game or they wrote the script only having, like, heard about the game from some five-year-old at a Thanksgiving dinner who wouldn't shut up about it and, like, pick parts of it. Because it is weird what they decide to keep. So it's like, yeah, Big Bertha. You know, the fish guy that's in one level. Let's make her a woman who everyone makes fun of for their weight. And um, we're not going to keep any of the Mushroom Kingdom stuff. Besides, there's some fungus around. But, you know, bombs and Bullet Bills, exactly the same. <laughs> like, look from a different world completely. It's it's just or like we can't give them jumping powers. Let's give them boots that make them jump. It's the way they try to work in. I I feel like mythology is the wrong word, but I mean, it's technically the right word. It just feels really silly to say. But the way they take random parts of the Mario mythology and try to cram it into this movie is weird. And I think Big Bertha is like the ultimate example of let's take one villain's name and assign it to this random character the ultimate point of this is like the alternative to all this is there'd be a like animated adaptation that'd be really fucking boring and it does exist there's a really really boring mario cartoon that you can probably find on youtube if Nintendo there were a ton of them actually because I watched them when they aired. Yeah, and they're Peter. all really boring. They're all just like watching video game cutscenes and not in a like they're CGI, like in the way that it's like, well, this is like what's happening between the action. All the shit that you like about this game, this is what's happening between it. And it's, it's, it's. So what we end up with is Big Bertha is just like a woman that wants to fuck mario for some reason i don't i don't exactly get that and then uh toad so much people just want to fuck which toad as a musician makes sense in like a sort of an abstract way because isn't toad sort of like the herald of of mario's mission in a lot of the games like they're like not so much like way after this movie are you saying this movie drove the series in new directions yeah i'm saying that Every Mario game that came out after this movie draws heavy inspiration from this. Uh, no, Toad was just like in the original games, he was the person who said that uh, the princess was in another castle. So I don't know if that counts as Harold. It was just they kept, he would kept trying to rescue him. Well, yeah, but he, it was more weren't they were captured. Like he kept trying to rescue the princess. And constantly ended up with these clones of this Toad guy who's like, hey, thanks, but, uh, you know, maybe get better directions next time. Maybe next time, like, send one of your million Toad friends to come say hi and be like, hey, actually, it's, it's a little bit further down the road. Yeah, it's only eight worlds. World one, world two, world three. Do we keep going? What's after three? World 5, there's a warp zone. Oh, okay, thank God. Someone who's listening is going to be like, there's no warp zone in World 3. <laughs> I know. So, uh, like I said, the Lena character is kind of useless, but uh, there's a final confrontation with Koopa wherein he uh, gets dragged through the portal. Uh, Mario gets brought through the portal for a second. Koopa has this big devolve machine, but he also has guns that devolve people. Scapelli gets turned into a chimp. 
again doesn't understand how evolution works uh, <laughs> uh that's all well, yeah they all de-evolve into different like i'm a tyrannosaurus and we all look the same and you're a goomba dinosaur yeah like the tyrannosaurus thing like at least in their logic makes linear sense but like us turning into a chimp is is such like i skimmed an article on evolution <laughs> Yeah, this movie is just about skimming your source material yes, and then and then making it grittier and weirder. So yeah. um, the other weird thing is like I, I'm surprised I like this movie because I don't think it's funny at all. And no, and like there's a few there's a few segments that are like vaguely funny, but it's mostly I think the movie is all sort of if I wanted to put a pin in this movie as a whole is that I think the movie wrapped up in a nutshell is the Yoshi puppet. Because the Yoshi puppet is kind of amazingly designed. It looks really great. Like it, it's, but it's um, kind of like charmingly ugly. And that's the movie in a nutshell. I think that that's the movie in, in a little capsule, which is that <laughs> Yoshi is, is this like thing that like, you know, uh, you want to like warm up to and you want to like give a chance, but like it is ugly. <laughs> yeah. And also, uh, like, at one point, they have Yoshi's tongue go out, try to eat Lena, which is much more terrifying when rendered in uh, real life <laughs> than it is in 16-bit graphics. Because it's this gross, like, Cronenbergian tongue, and he is trying to swallow a human female four times. Like, I don't know if they were going for comedy or what, but... Man, that's a weird fucking scene. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's also that's the same problem that Kirby has, which is as soon as you make Kirby any more anthropomorphic, you're like, you're like that's fucking terrifying. Like you assimilate your enemy, you eat your enemy yeah. and assimilate into them. That scene is also uh, just a great little nugget of the movie because she stabs Yoshi and yeah. it cuts away. <laughs> it cuts away. To Lena getting away, which, by the way, Lena should have just been so eating. much knife play in the Mario movie uh, game. By the way, yeah, oh, all for the time. kids, a lot of neck stabs. Yes, in your kid movie, all the time. So there's a few things wrong with that scene. One, Lena should have just been eaten. Like her being like, uh, you know, an upstart to take over Koopa's throne, and then her getting eaten by Yoshi is like a nice little moment. Would have let Yoshi be an actual hero. Um, doesn't happen. Also, the scene cuts away after Yoshi's been stabbed in the neck. Do you know what, in film language, we're meant to assume by that? It's that Yoshi died. <laughs> so yeah, and it's not like Yoshi was like a lovable character that kids love. <laughs> <laughs> like kids' favorite character. Like I remember growing up, and kids would fight over to play as Yoshi in different games, like in Mario Kart. Yeah, even though. You do spend all of Super Mario World uh, sacrificing him for your own survival and punching him in the back of the head for him to eat random stuff for you. Yeah, that's true. Like, uh, my, my you are always a mon. Like, you are always a monster to Yoshi. I remember doing a regular run in the game where I was just like, "Well, I can't quite make it over this." Well, last second, I'm gonna hop off and drop Yoshi into the fucking yeah, abyss. It's a great move. <laughs> yeah, it gets you to the finish line, does it not? That's what life's about, using people to get to the finish line. Welcome to Trump's America. Crush dinosaurs beneath your boot. <laughs> yeah, but like it, it's a it's it's a it's a weird thing. But I, I would you agree that that's the movie in a nutshell? Like I think it's a it's a strange thing to look at and it's it's kind of like beautiful in its own way, but it is definitely also ugly. Yeah. 
when you say it's not funny, it is hilarious. There's just nothing in the movie that meant to be funny. Like everything that Dennis Hopper does is funny because Dennis Hopper is a um, reptilian man already. And he's playing the character of, of Koopa as like a Frank Booth. Like he's a psychopath. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a good... And it, it, he's a psychopath and he's like a raving psychopath that's barely keeping it under the uh, under the skin. And... So when he finally sort of like freaks out and becomes a a weird T-Rex thing at the end of the movie, like I like it cuz it's actually creepy. Like it it actually is creepy when you see a little flash of what he is under there and he sort of looks like um is Goro the Mortal Kombat character with four arms? Yeah. It's like these long needle teeth and like a snout is starting to form. And you're like that's not a T-Rex. I don't know what the fuck Koopa is, but that's not a T-Rex. And no point do they like make him look like Bowser or like any of the designs from the previous games. He does look a little Bowsery. Actually, that's one of my favorite little visual cues that I don't even know if it's purposefully supposed to be a reference to the video games. I think it's much more likely that it's a complete and utter accident based on how this movie was designed. But I think it is a cool nod to um, Super Mario World where Bowser's in like the – it's not an oil drum. It's that thing that flies. But when he's a dinosaur and when he's at his most Bowsery at the end, he's in a – I don't even know what you call it. Like a, it's not an oil drum. It's a something that looks exactly like a, you know, half – sphere and he's sitting there like waving his arms out and it looks like you know bowser at the end of super mario world yeah i can kind of i can kind of see that at first he's like firing a flamethrower at him and then they're firing these like de-evolution cannons and you're like this works like as all classic mario weapons yeah this movie is way too long though like it's trimmed down and it's still it's in like an hour 44 minutes like all movies are way too long. Yes. That's what we find out on this show. This movie would be – I think this movie would be an easier sell to people as a weird anomaly if it were 85 minutes. <laughs> yeah. The final fight and does honestly, take way too long. cut out all of the stuff where you explain the plot needlessly. That's a 70-minute movie. That's true. And it would have been a 70-minute movie that's all set design and weird action sequences. And I love I love the weird – rocket boots i love the the sequence at the end where they're just like koopa's firing a flame cannon at them and mario's just like dancing around to avoid his shots like i love i love the goombas uh dancing in the elevator like not just first just tapping their heads or, or bouncing their heads and tapping their feet and then like slow dancing with each other or like partner dancing line dancing whatever you want to call it uh that's a weird touch um yeah, there is a lot of, like, I like the sequel that didn't pan out. The most, like, explicitly, no fucking way this is not getting a sequel. Let's put it front and center. Uh, and then, yeah. <laughs> then let's make $20 million at the box office. You know, I'll, I'll just say one thing I hated more than anything. And we touched on it um, a little bit with how rapey uh, King Koopa is, which is, you know, again, kids movie, not kids movie, don't do it unless you're willing to commit to the seriousness of it. But he says the most disturbing line in reference to that he, I think, is going to eventually uh, impregnate Daisy, which is, I'll need to use her later, which is, I think, an attempt to clean up for a PG kids movie what he's saying 
And in the process, making the grossest, most disturbing line I think you could use of and dehumanizing. We accidentally did two movies this month where an evil usurper to the throne wants to marry and rape a princess so that he can gain political power and gain an heir through that bloodline. Yeah, uh, super popular. Super popular in full You know what I should say, though? I just watched Aladdin with my daughter uh, today, or we finished it today because we split it up into like three chunks. And uh, that kind of happens at the end of Aladdin, too. Is that Jafar? Does Jafar yeah. rape her, too? Well, no, it's, I mean, still a G movie, but like he's trying to say that eventually he's going to get with the princess who obviously wants nothing to do. Uh, and he does tell the genie, if you remember, to make her fall in love with him. Oh, yeah, that's true. I haven't seen the movie in a long time, but I remember that. It's a common princess trope where they're like, if I can marry the princess, then she'll be mine. But like over the years, once it became a sort of, uh, you know, mythic fable concept, the idea of like a bad man stealing a princess and putting him in his t- in her tower to keep her safe and keep her from the hero. And then the hero saves her and they fall in love or whatever. They already were in love. That's yeah, like. And then you think, well, what would have happened if the hero didn't? saver yeah exactly so the the in the mythic context of that or i shouldn't say mythic but like the fable context of that i think the old version of that was had way rapier undertones and then it became something that um we pulled children's stories from and so sort of like the brothers Grimm had a lot of the like horrificness torn out for children's versions of it i think like eventually we're like yeah the bad guy steals the princess, locks her in a tower, he's going to marry her. And you're like, well, yeah, that sounds innocent enough. And then once a movie like this or Robin Hood sort of even slightly references what's going to happen once the marriage is successful or once the yeah. coupling is successful. Oh, God. Yeah, it's it's super gross. So, like, gross, inappropriate, disgusting. It's it's amazing how long I think we took as a culture to, like, notice it. There's one line in the movie that has nothing to do with uh, rape culture, uh, but... Uh, Why it, even discuss it? When they ask, where do you think where do you think we are when they land in the other di- dimension, he says, like, oh, maybe, we, maybe we're, uh, you know, in, uh, in the future or something. And then uh, Bob Hoskins says, maybe we're in the Bronx today. No wonder they tell you never to come up here. Which is straight up racist. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't go over there hanging out with those poor black people. Like, who knows what they did in a couple weeks? <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, I know they're trying to reference, like, New York shit. Like, when he's like, you're telling me there used to be dinosaurs in Brooklyn? He's like, there used to be Dodgers, too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I get your local. We're ref- from New York. <laughs> if you took anything away. Uh, from the Mario Brothers games, it was that these two guys are hardcore New Yorkers. Yeah. <laughs> and they're very proud of their Italian heritage. Yep. Also, you know what? Fuck you, John Leguizamo. In the games, both Luigi and Mario have mustaches. How did you get out of a mustache situation? That is weird. Because I feel like I've seen John Leguizamo with facial hair before. I never stop seeing him with facial hair. I've, like... <laughs> Every time I close my eyes, it's just a fucking Grizzly Adams beard on John Leguizamo, and then this fucking movie comes around, shatters it. God, you're a very strange version of an oracle. Your curse is, your curse is very specific. Um, can I tell you my absolute favorite part of this movie? Hit me. That I think should be 
if we can pass one ridiculous law in this fucking government we're about to have, I hope it's this, that all movies based on video games are legally required to have the tagline, this ain't no game. <laughs> this ain't no game. <laughs> Which is my favorite tagline of all time. It's also uh, incredibly meaningless. It's also factually accurate, Peter. This ain't no game. This is not – this ain't no game. Because um, I feel like that is the best thing to come from this movie. Because this this ain't no game? Yeah. Would, wouldn't it be amazing if every video game movie, no matter what, Assassin's Creed, Michael Fassbender, this ain't no game. This ain't no game. <laughs> Maybe that's why the movie didn't do well. People hate double negatives and poor grammar. Yeah. Yeah. And people – hate dinosaurs people hate the dinosaurs i think the one lesson you can get from this is like people in the early 90s just didn't want to see a movie with dinosaurs in it you know here's a weird complaint that doesn't actually bother me but it never gets talked about when people talk about how uh strange the movie is in relation to the games uh they have dinosaurs and then they have like the mushroom kingdom and the fungus everywhere with the king those are two different like the mushroom kingdom was the nintendo ones and then Super Mario World, they're like in Dinosaur Island. It's a whole different thing. That is the continuity that bothers me. Not that they drive cars. I have opinions. I just want you to. I just want to. I just want you to like run yourself dry here. Look, get your kingdoms in order. <laughs> I have no. I have no concept of like what who comes from where or like what series had this, which entry had had dinosaurs in it or anything. It, like none of that, none of that factors into this movie. That's because by the time that you were old enough to play video games, there were other video games. Peter, for me, this was like you could play these, or if you had more time, you could play Zelda, and if you were hanging out with poor people, you could play Sega. Was <laughs> Sega for poor people? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I think they were Sega was probably more expensive. Uh, we did have to get that that thirty two X, which was a and the CD. Yes, and a CD. You we guys got, had so many add ons and no good games. Um, we loved we loved the hell out of our Genesis, and uh, mine still somehow works. But uh, I I didn't really fall in love with video games until Mario was fully three D. My understanding of what the original universe is is pretty limited. So, like, for me, I just see this movie as this this strange thing that's, like, tangentially related to Mario. And it's funny to make jokes about Mario, but, like, it's – this is serious. This ain't no game. This is not a fun time. <laughs> um, oh, I you liked the no, movie. No, this actually this – is this is a fun time. I would recommend, uh, you, I would recommend you watch this movie. Um, it goes really well with um, Marijuana. I don't think it goes well with uh, mushrooms, probably. Um, well, that is not on brand. Yeah. <laughs> on brand would be it does go well with the mushrooms. I think when you're watching it, if you want to heighten the viewing experience, every five minutes when something awesome happens, you should just say to yourself, this ain't no game. This ain't no game. Just get it. Just like have it written on your hand, in the palm of your hand. <laughs> Getting a, this ain't no game. You're feeling yourself getting a little unhinged? This ain't no you know, game. You know, it's something we didn't talk about that everyone talks about about this movie. Uh, it doesn't bother me at all. I think it's the one legitimately attempted humor that is funny. I like the Mario Mario Luigi Mario. That's a good, fun, dumb joke. 
Yes, it's it works because the, I think these guys are supposed to be kind of like dunderheads, right? But they're just not as big a dunderheads as uh, as everyone, everyone else. else. Um, everybody in this movie is that's stupid that's their superpower. That's their superpower: lowered expectations. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, God! But yeah, I think. But it's it's play it's it's played for comedy. Like, everyone thinks it's ridiculous that that's their name. I feel like when it gets regurgitated, (laughs) I feel like when it gets regurgitated, that people make it seem like they were trying to make a serious statement with it or that it wasn't played for laughs. And yeah, it's dumb, but it's supposed to be dumb. I think it's one of the few times the movie makes a joke that is recognizably a joke to everyone else. Yeah, um, I also like the joke where they're getting their pictures taken and they think they're machine guns because that just like tells you a little bit about the universe. It's a little bit of world building because uh, everything in this universe is kind of nonsensical and yeah. brutalist in a way. Um, it's also a everything is copied exactly except for weird outliers like our cameras. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah the- yeah no it's 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 fun you know it's it's a hard movie to recommend i think if you haven't seen it it's such a qualified because we- recommendation it is such a quali- like first of all you've probably seen it um it is it's fun and it's weird if you looked at your window because def- this is a picture of trump's america yeah if you but it's it's so much wrapped up in like seeing it as a kid you know we try not to talk too much about well this is nostalgic good i feel like it's nostalgic good i don't i don't know if i saw this today even if i had never heard of super mario brothers or whether i had i don't know there's there's just so many better movies but this this one still has a nice little place in my heart <laughs> Yep, I think that it's a um, it's a movie that has survived nostalgia, but in a uh, different way. Whereas now, stuff like the dialogue has uh, I've grown to realize like what people find grown worthy about this movie. And one of our key points of the show is that like you can recognize all the fucking flaws in the movie, but if the strengths of the movie overcome it it can still be a worthwhile experience to have a unique yeah. worth. And it is a unique worthwhile experience. I don't, I don't think that there's anything in this movie that I, um, yeah, I don't think that this movie as a unit is his own thing fails. I think that it's a strange attempt to make, to adapt a psychedelic children's experience into something. And it makes it, yes, it makes it overly literal, Yes, it has a lot of like tenured dialogue, but like it has a, a heart and an energy to it that I find really charming uh, to watch every now and then. And it's sort of thing where I don't know if, if I would even like show it to my nieces or nephews like when they're really young because I don't know if they'll respond to it. But I know I did when I was a kid and I know that I do now, but just for completely different reasons. Yeah, this ain't no normal movie. This ain't no normal movie and this ain't no game. Ain't no game. <laughs> Is that the accent of someone who yawns a lot? Anyway, uh, great episode, Peter. Feels good to have uh, some skip in our step again. Oh, there's going to be some skipping some, going on. Some pip in our pop. Some 
cranking our cronk. Yep, that's that's my favorite little John song. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, I, again, is, 50-50 odds, that is definitely a little John song. Mine is... Uh, Cranking my cronk. Mine is Wonderwall. That's your favorite little John song? Yeah. To the wonder, to the wall. Well, I guess we're going to go out with... No. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was unrecognizable as a form of humor like you needed to explain that one no no like you didn't need to in the sense that you don't need to explain your jokes it's fine but there was if you pulled a hundred people a hundred people would need that explained to them god uh, anyway so next month who says jokes are for anybody but me yeah i agree with that sentiment, so i'm not gonna argue with you um next week is our final week of uh, 90s November Nostalgia, which will air in December. Um, and it is Rescuers Down Under with Tom Peeler. We're really excited about that one. Uh, we're actually recording it in a couple days, so I'm watching that tomorrow night. And I'm going to try to watch um, as much as I can with my kid before she gets bored because she makes it about 30 minutes a time. Um, so I think that'll be fun. I really like I really like that movie, but I haven't seen it in a very long time. Yeah, I, I, that was a movie that I loved as a kid as well. And uh, yeah, I'm very, very excited to return to it. And then next month, we'll, we'll announce it now. Um, we're going to be doing Christmas Horror, uh, back to our bread and butter. <laughs> um, and I will give you the episodes and the guests. Just know we are trying to do a lot of uh, schedule moving and pre-recording stuff so that we get some time off uh, for the actual recording for the holidays. So... We're going to be doing Krampus, uh, Black Christmas with Joseph J. Finn, Silent Night, Deadly Night with Marcus Jones, and New Year's Evil. Um, And I'm not quite sure if that's the order that they will air in, uh, because we're going to try to double up on some weeks for our recording. But that is what you'll be getting. Uh, And then we'll talk more about what we're doing next year later on. So. I promise is the first two months of uh, 2017 will not be horror related. So uh, if you really fucking hate horror movies, uh, this is probably the wrong podcast for you. But uh, yeah. Th- yeah. Why have you been listening this far? <laughs> Once again, don't listen to this podcast if you don't meet the following criteria. People should get used to getting put on lists. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah. So have a good night, everyone. We'll see you next week. On This Ain't No Podcast. You should listen next week on the podcast in This Ain't No Podcast. This Ain't No Podcast. This Ain't No Podcast. This isn't any sort of podcast. We fucked it up, dude. folks thanks for listening to we love to watch if you want to get in touch with us please reach out to us at either our website wltwpodcast.com or our facebook group facebook.com backslash we love to watch 
and uh, yeah, reach out to us. Give us some feedback, give us some support, uh, suggest movies for the show, all that. We are also available on SoundCloud, TuneIn, Stitcher, and iTunes. Thanks for listening.